The Canadian Export Challenge and the Startup Canada Awards are coming to a city near you. Entrepreneurs in Vancouver, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Mississauga, Montreal, and Fredericton have the opportunity for a full-day entrepreneurial experience. In the morning and afternoon, attend your one-day global accelerator where you will connect to Canada's entire trade, export, and growth ecosystem. Accepted entrepreneurs have the chance to pitch to win $25,000 in cash and up to an additional $100,000 in in-kind scaling support. In the evening, celebrate the winners of the 2019 Startup Canada Awards who are driving innovation and growing the economy in your region. Register for the Canadian Export Challenge at startupcan.ca forward slash CXC and get your tickets to your local awards ceremony at startupaward.ca. Your insurance needs are as unique as the work you do and the industry you're in. Having the right protection in place is just the start. There's so much you can do to mitigate risks to your business for today and as you grow. At Sovereign Insurance, we're here to help with valuable information, insights, tips, and tools to help you protect your operations. Visit SovereignInsurance.ca to learn more. I landed a contract in Italy, but I need five freelancers to make it happen. I said, sure, let's chat over coffee. With Export Development Canada, risk doesn't stop you. EDC, take on the world. A real entrepreneur helping others succeed. This is your host, Rivers Corbett, on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day in the life stories and in their shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. This is Melina Salomon. She's the founder of Ingoma. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show where we get to hang out with epic people around the planet. And today's guest is no different. Just really thrilled to have the industrial designer and emerging fashion startup entrepreneur on the show today. And that is Melina Salomon, who is the founder of Ingoma, a design tech company bringing new sustainable materials to fashion and consumer products. And her products are specialized in sustainable in silicone rubber that shapes new and 
industrial design technologies with its laser cuttable vector patterns. Born and raised in Brazil, Melina moved to Canada five years ago to embark on post-secondary education in Toronto and graduated top of her class in Founders Institute Toronto. Today, Ingoma is a Canadian company empowering designers with more versatility with color, surface design, and sustainability. Today's podcast, we're going to talk to Melina about this innovative product designing. And before we get going, Melina, I have met you personally before, if I remember correctly, not at the, la, this uh, last year's Startup Canada Awards, but were you uh, at the ones before in Toronto? No, I think <laughs> the first one I went was the one I got, I received the award. Yes, yes. Okay, was there a, uh, was it in Toronto? In Toronto, yeah, in Toronto. Yeah, yeah. Well, we have met before, and actually, and uh, I, I know that you and I have actually got a picture together with each other. Where that picture is now, I'm not quite sure. But I remember being so intrigued with your business and how excited you were around it. So, uh, so this is kind of cool as this this has all come together. So, so welcome to the Startup Canada podcast show, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's going to be a great chat. So. What's going on with your company? I mean, let's just dive right into it, combining fashion, commercialization, consumer products. First of all, take us on the journey of Ingoma and, uh, you know, what started you on this journey, first of all. Yeah. So um, I came, as you said, I came to Canada for education. I was doing my industrial design degree and I did a a Kickstarter campaign um, doing silicon laser cut products more more like focus and accessories and uh and it was just a try i was i said well let's 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 see how that goes and i got funded and then after getting funded and then getting uh, having to distribute those products i tried to find sourcing in canada for them to be canadian made and i couldn't find it so I had to go to India twice uh, to get those products produced. And when I came back, I was like, it's impossible that nobody's like actually laser cutting silicon in those precise designs that I needed. And I, uh, I, saw, I just saw an opportunity. That's when I enrolled in Founders Institute. And, mm-hmm. and that came to a point where uh, the technology that I had learned uh, was so deep that it could be patent, and that's how we got to the point of patenting the the, the technology. Uh, so today we don't use it only for accessories. We have a B two B part of the business where we do trimmings. Uh, we do from buttons to patches to every kind of like embellishments and accessories for fashion. We also have a specific technology that infuse uh, perfume in the silicon and it can be a wearable technology so you can smell mm. the perfume where you're wearing the jewelry. And it was just a, a, a big journey from uh, seeing an opportunity to explore a material that hasn't been explored in the way that we wanted to show uh, in the fashion community and in the design community overall. Okay, so um, 
I am still intrigued because of the word rubber. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it has to do purely with the fact is that that typically isn't regarded with fashion. And so, you know, for the, for a non-fashion guy. So can you take me and I'm sure there's other people on this listening on this podcast right now and break down as to, as to um, your, your, your product offering as if it's, you know, you're doing the proverbial explaining it to your grandmother. Can you do that for us? Yes. Uh, so we don't use, we use silicon, more specific medical grade silicon. So it's the mm-hmm. same kind of silicon of baby pacifiers. So it doesn't, okay. doesn't have a smell, uh, is, is completely hypoallergenic. Um, so it's a completely t- When people think of rubber, they think of tires. Mm-hmm. They think of something smelly, industrial. Mm-hmm. And that's why it was so intriguing for me coming from Brazil where rubber, uh, like the word rubber, doesn't have a bad connotation. Interesting. We have many companies that have specialized only in rubber products. One of them I'll mention, Melissa, who is a shoe company that is global and and, and does plastic molded shoes. Uh, and, and they are like a success. So when I came to Canada, it was one of the, the biggest challenges was to explain to people that the product feels good, is lightweight, uh, is breathable because we cut, we have this precise cuts where you, where it becomes very breathable and that it doesn't have the smell or the bad texture of what you think rubber does. Uh-huh. But, but silicone is everywhere, to be honest with you. Now and sure. Products are all made with silicone. Right. And so, so take us through this patented technology. You've, you've got something that's unique on the planet. Uh, can you, can you dive into, into that, that piece as it relates to your, your, uh, your product offering? Yes. So our PCT, uh, the, the PCT that we file, our global patent, uh, is for the, uh, precision cut of the silicon. This is specific silicon. So what we can do is cut them thinner more precise designs than anybody else. So what makes our product more um, aesthetically appealing for the fashion industry and for the products that we made. So Mm. we can have um, a necklace that looks like lace and is silicone cut in our Mm -hmm. machinery. So it's the way we cut the rubber and also including in the pattern is the way we infuse the rubber with the smell, with perfume. Love it. How do you, how do you decide what you're going to make? How do I decide what I'm going to make? Yeah. So the, you know, when you say, okay, I'm going to make buttons, I'm going to make jewelry, I'm going to make, how does your company recognize, okay, this is where we want to take this, this great technology and produce these. What goes through the process of, of, of figuring that out? So uh, right now the company has two sides, the B2C side and the B2B side. So perfect. in the B2B side, uh, we do encounter with customers from other companies and and they see opportunities and what we we're gonna we're gonna do sometimes we just uh when we have like let's say a winter jacket company that we want to pursue mm. a collaboration we will know that buttons will be the best choice be- right just because 
analyzing their products and looking at what we have. So we we come already with a proposal. Uh, But sometimes we just have a meeting and show the technology, show the material, and then brainstorm with the client and they come up with different ways. It's, it's very exciting to work with what I work, and that's why I love it so much, is because yes. everybody has a way of including this product somewhere. Like every single conversation I have, they're like, you'll be awesome if you do pocket, <laughs> pocket squares. You'll be awesome if you do this. And, and nice. so we don't run out of ideas by any means. Uh, uh, the product is very versatile. I am. I'm always. Um, I'm always one impressed, ad, admire, honored when newcomers come to uh, to to Canada, to, to my backyard, and so on. And the award that I was talking, we were talking about that you won in 2016 was a national award for being Startup Canada Newcomer Entrepreneur of the Year. And I know that I've met you. Yeah. And uh, and uh, if I if like this, I don't know where my memory is going, but I think you wore a white dress the night of that particular event. Oh, I'm not the, good. Dress, the dress was yeah. a success. He had a yeah. <laughs> There we go. See, I knew it was you. So, yeah. um, when, when, you know, I've always tried to put myself in the position of going to South Korea or to China and wondering how that must feel to come to another country, different culture, different, you know, different, different language. Um, and your English is excellent, by the way. Um, I, uh, you know, what was that like coming from Brazil to Canada to evolve into the Founders Institute to, to ultimately start in Goma? Can you kind of talk to us as a newcomer, what that was like? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about this subject uh, because I feel like um, is I, I can say it's for everybody. I, I, I can't I can say that um, there is definitely a cultural shock. I knew English before coming here. I was already accepted in an, um, in a degree school. So I was um, able to navigate the system. But just learning business in an university different country uh, is a skill with itself, right? Uh, just understanding how people um, communicate, what the culture entitles. Um, Canadians are super polite. And um, for me, that politeness conflicts with how straightforward Brazilians are. Uh-huh. So for us, for <laughs> me, it was uh, very difficult in the beginning to understand what people want want it from me because they will not say it because ah. they want to be polite. So that was one thing. Uh, but definitely, uh, like I was welcome to Canada. I came here with a visa as an entrepreneur. Actually, I, I, I'm now a Canadian citizen. Ah, and, congratulations. Thank you. And, um, and, and definitely I got a lot of support, a lot of support, but there is a cultural shock that mm. people should expect to have when they come to a new country anywhere, right? Sure, yeah. sure. So what, what about if I'm going to want to go do business in Brazil, what's the, what is, are the top three things I need to know about <clears throat> the, the great people in Brazil and doing business there? Oh, well, uh, well, 
That's a tough question. <laughs> That's a tough question. Well, first and foremost, Brazil is gigantic. So yes. it's the size of a, almost a continent. So I'm from the south of Brazil. I'm from borderline Argentina. So it's a state called Rio Grande do Sul. So I can talk a little bit about that. Sure. Better than the, the other states. Uh, so we are very straightforward for sure. Uh, we, we are very rigid with, with like being punctual or what have you. Mm -hmm. And so I think that the five things, so that's the two things being straightforward, being punctual, uh, Make make sure you're gonna deal with a lot of bureaucracy because Brazil, right. Brazil is just full of bureaucracy, <laughs> and 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 understand you're dealing with a gigantic country that that has different laws and uh, different ways of doing things. So right. I would right. say four. Can I give yeah. you? Can I give you four? Of course, you can give me four. You're the guest. I have to be polite, don't you know that? <laughs> Versus, wait a minute. Now I'm putting my Brazilian hat. Wait a minute. I didn't say four. I said five, Melina. Where's the other one? Exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, thank you for taking a journey on that. I think that that's important. And congratulations on your uh, your award. I want to get back to the uh, your company in Goma. What does in Goma mean? It sounds very uh, exotic. Uh, yeah, so. it means made with rubber. So goma is rubber <laughs> in Italian. So in goma is like things that we made with rubber. So right on. Yeah, so that's that's the name of the company. I had the opportunity to uh, to interview uh, inter interview one of the uh, the founders of the Founders Institute, um, Jonathan. He's based out of S uh, San Francisco, um, and uh, and he, um, you know, we were talking about various things, blah blah blah, with regards to the Founders Institute. I'd love for you to take us through, you know, your journey with the Founders Institute because I'm always very bold on on. New New startups getting into uh, organizations that are moving people along the journey of being an entrepreneur in the right way, because that's the biggest, that's the biggest reason why entrepreneurs fail. They aren't coached the right way. So let's take a dive on the Founders Institute. If you can you tell us about that journey? Yes. Founders Institute is a fantastic program. Uh, it pushed me very far when I got there, I was just, uh, I think I was the youngest of the class or the second youngest of the class. And uh, my, my English was not that good. And we had to pitch to investors every week. So it's a right. very tough program, very tough program. I think in my class, there was 50 or 60 that got in and 10 graduate. So uh, every week they, they take out people that are not being, uh, up to date and I and the program is actually very useful uh, it's very useful very intense and I met a lot of mentorship through it uh, my previous partner I met through Founders Institute uh, Sunil Sharma who is the one who is running the Toronto chapter that was the one I was closer to uh, is also a fantastic person with a stand network and um, so the program for me was awesome it put me out of my comfort zone and it, and it made me um it made me have the courage to speak and just 
learn and, and, and find out, I found out that I could patent my technology through Founders Institute, right? Nice, nice, <laughs> nice. And so when you say top of your class, what does that mean? So uh, every week we had to pitch to four or five investors. Uh, I was part of the first cohort of Canada. Uh, so the, the investors we had was were, were like, really top notch. And so you had to pitch your business to those investors and they will rate you from, I don't remember if it was like zero to zero to three, one to three. And then it, you combine the, the math. And then if you're behind a certain number, you have special assignments. So I was, What's hilarious, because I'm Brazilian <laughs> and my, my English was not that great, I was top of the class in all pitches. So nice. I was nice. the first, they all gave me like good scores for the pitch. So yes. until, until the end of the, the class, uh, combining all the scores, I was just the one more consistently uh, being better rated. For, for the investors that were rating us. I want to get back to Ngoma in a second in your journey there, but I, you've touched on something that's very interesting, very near and dear to, to my heart with regards to helping entrepreneurs be successful. And a key necessity to their success is the focus on the pitches. Uh, I see so many entrepreneurs, particularly at the startup phase, just really, I, I'll call it what it is, and pardon the expression, they barf all over people. They have no idea idea what it is they're saying they just blah 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 <laughs> and so and so here you consistently won um at the top of your class for that aspect melina can you talk about you know what were what's the secret to your pitch success what are some of the consistencies with that if well, that makes sense well i think that um First, I was trying to every week involve on my evolve on my idea. So um, whatever feedback that I got in the week before, I really look it through it and and try to find a reason for that critique if it was valid or not. Uh, so some people just kept repeating the same idea over and over again. And I think part of being a good entrepreneur is is know how to say no. This opinion really doesn't matter for me. Like it doesn't resonate to what I'm doing. But if something actually mean, like can add value to your business, you should listen and and just go after it. So I felt like uh, um, there was a lot of people that couldn't take critique very well. So kept repeating the same thing. So therefore I kept getting the same score and then never going anywhere. Uh, right. So. Right. You look at your competitor, right? Yeah. You know what they're doing and why they're not moving forward. Right. I love it. Yeah. So I think that, that that's one thing. And also having a consistent story uh, that is clear to to everybody that is listening with actually data. Uh, some people just come with the idea, but they have no data. They have no they have nothing to back up uh, the proposal that they are having. And, and it's important to have some, some serious data, be clear, and, and just don't go for like too long. Are you clapping your hands together? You, you putting your hands together saying that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
I love it. I love it. <laughs> so because you know body language is so important in that pitching piece, and uh, you know it's not just about the words, but it's about the emotional expression, and yep. that comes with confidence and so on. And like I can see you picking. I don't know if your left hand onto your right hand or your right hand onto your right hand, no, onto your left hand. And um, well, again, I'm Brazilian. I was just like, yes. don't do this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I love it. I love it. And you know, we talk so much with our hands. I think uh, in the world we do that. And uh, anyway, so thank you for letting me take that journey with you and that that be able to have a little fun on that part. But it's it's true. It's 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 emphatic, and that you know, part of the pitching is confidence in delivering the message too. So so that's very cool. So in Goma. Uh, is going where in the next uh, two years for you with your vision? And look, uh, Melina, I know that it's, it's, you know, what you want to do isn't necessarily what's going to happen, but if you could look into your crystal ball and take your great leadership that you're now building your company with, where, where can we see your company going in the next, uh, next 24 months? Uh, well, I think our BCC uh, part of the company is going to become more and more important. Uh, we had a number of customers reaching out to our lookbook with, with what we proposed to our B2B business yes. saying, I want to buy this and we, yes. we didn't sell it. So uh, our B2C is going to become more and more important for me. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's like in the next two years is building an Ingoma as a brand, not yes. not only a B two B technology support to other brands. Very cool. Um, I just interviewed somebody. Um her name is Tara Hunt. She owns a Toronto-based organization called Truly Social. Truly Social. You might want to check her out. She's a radical. She's a, a rogue, uh, but she gets results. And it mm-hmm. might be somebody that might be able to help you in that regard. Uh, I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation. And it's, you know, call it serendipity, call it the universe. But uh, there it is. You can run with it as you uh, as you see fit. Thank um, you. Your uh, now your B two C model that you've envisioned is it primarily through outlets or is it online? No, e commerce. Uh, e commerce. E commerce. Right on. I truly believe that uh, th- that the future of fashion is is through e commerce. Uh, there is like all, there's always a po- opportunity of pop up shops and yes, but social media and e commerce are the two platforms that uh, right now for me make more sense. I think retail is uh, is really tough and not necessarily uh, doing well right. in the last yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah, well, and, and also where you're beginning your brand, you want to make sure you're not getting cluttered with other brands at a retail setting. You can definitely own your own brand when you're when you're doing it online. Mm-hmm. And you really profess, I'm, I'm a big advocate now for the businesses that I get involved with to do, you know, work anywhere, anytime. And of course, the internet allows you to do that. Yeah. Can you t- can you tell us about your team? Uh, you were uh, you were, you were solo when you started. Uh, how to how, how to what is what is the look of the team of Ngoma? Right now we are four and uh, we've been through a change of management uh, lately. So uh, one of my partners is not no longer with us. So my team is just, is just four people. Uh, uh, So it's me uh, is the person that operates the machine. We had a business dev and we have a CTO. Very cool. So it's pretty much that the company is small. So 
uh, small but mighty, correct? But lean, yeah. Yeah, lean. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, I've, I've heard this story. I don't know if it's true or not. Maybe it's folklore. But that uh, when they, when the, uh, it was either the Airbnb or the Uber gang, uh, that when they, when they, when they ultimately became more public, they found them in the bottom of a basement somewhere. And there was like 10 of them running this global empire. And it really just reinforced to me that importance of the lean these guys and gals understood the importance of of getting productivity happening but not spending as much you know the money that needs to happen to make it work foolishly so uh, mm-hmm. you should it's great that you're doing it lean it's all about impact more than anything if you can keep it lean on the way then that's better for for everybody um i want to uh, i want to talk a bit about the founder that you uh, you had and you moved on from that relationship what was that like how did I mean, because because partnerships are you know they're these, this is a life partner that you ultimately started a journey with business partner but uh, I'm, I'm presuming um, what was that what was that process like because many of our audience or listeners would go through that where you said you know what this isn't working can you take us through that as best as you can and I want to be respectful of uh, of your answer too so share with us what you can yeah well I can share much. Okay. <laughs> but one thing I can say is that uh, is never easy or pleasant right. to change partnership, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very hard to find somebody that has the same vision. And um, uh, she was not a, f- a founder, but she became a partner after a while. Um, me- I think it's a normal process. Many business goes go through this. Um, uh, people just end up having different opinions, and uh, and it's better to just <clears throat> finalize in a, in a in a in a good term. So, I, I I what I can say is that is normal. It feels like you're the only one, but yeah. you're not the only <laughs> yeah, one. Right. And, and, yes. and as more as you talk to other people who have uh, like way more business knowledge and years than you, uh, you they will say I've been through many partners, I've been through many investors. I, like is is normal, is completely normal, is part of your journey. So don't feel alone. Don't feel like you're the only one. Don't feel like mm. you're failing. Mm. Uh, and you learn. You learn with it. You learn with it. it. The next one will be better. Yeah, it's funny. It's funny, isn't it? We go through school uh, here, high school, whatever, and it's we we really encourage that process and emphasize that that's what it is. It's all about learning. But when we get into business, we we have this stupid expectation that oh my gosh, I can't learn. I have to get it right the first time. Yeah, and that, of course, that is not the reality that happens. It's uh, I, I you know I'm glad you rein, reinforce that. It's learning. It's learning because that's the journey of being an entrepreneur and because things are changing so much, you're going to continually have to learn. Do you have some comments on that? Listen, Rivers, I I am an, I have three design degrees. I'm a strategic designer, graphic designer, and and now I'm I'm finishing my industrial design degree. I had no business knowledge. I I had to learn everything by doing and it's Mm. possible. And, um, being around people that understand and they are willing to help you is very important. And, fi- and, and e- there is no way one can be born know 
knowing everything. Uh, <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> right? Melina. No. <laughs> what an insult you just gave me. <laughs> <laughs> right? I tell my kids I know everything. They were brought up believing I knew everything. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, failing is point. important if you have uh-huh. the right attitude. Because right. if you have the bad attitude, then failing is your is your end. Right. Uh, so having a good attitude and understanding that, yeah, made a mistake. Now yeah. I'm not going to do it again. Right. 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 Just right. move on. Learn with it. It's the rite of passage. I read that once is failure is the rite of passage to the next level. Mm-hmm. And so um, you're reinforcing that. So what do you do besides uh, do epic things with Ngoma? What's, uh, what keeps you busy uh, for another part of your life? Another part of my life. Well, I have a lot of friends. Uh, nice. I'm, I, I'm not surprised. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I have a lot of friends. I, I travel. I like to travel a lot. And I like to visit my family in Brazil. Um, yes. My mom just came to Canada recently for Christmas. It was it was a joy. She saw nice. snow and she was yeah. very happy with it. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and very cold. <laughs> Uh, yes. So, uh, what are the hobbies? Uh, I try to work out. Don't like it very much, but I force myself to do it. Yes. And uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. I just, I just like to have fun fun with my friends. And designing nice. is not a like actually doesn't feel like a job to me. So right. when I'm doing the design part of my business, it doesn't feel it feels like a hobby because I really love what I do. Uh, that's wonderful to hear, Melina. Um, what? Uh, the the um, the last word is for you, my friend, and uh, this is a great audience, great listeners, very accomplished entrepreneurs, very much beginner entrepreneurs. What's the in your journey of life, uh, personal, professional? What are some? Uh, what is one or two things that you want to leave behind with us as we end this amazing conversation? Yeah, so I feel like. Yeah, the failure part was very important. It's very important to fail and get back on your feet. Have be have resilience is is something very important, and and just adapt to different cultures. Uh, as a newcomer, what had we have touched that subject too? Uh, understanding being a country that is so diverse as Canada. It's very important to understand how to deal with different cultures, and uh, and and that's for me was a very cru- crucial part of my business. It was just to understand how people communicate, what they come from, their beliefs, and and that then you can build really meaningful relationships in business, and that's what drives, uh, you know, future revenue and and growth. Right on. Love it. Love it. Love it. You know, the other thing that I'm really impressed with you is you get to the point. There's no long answers coming from you whatsoever. It's boom, boom, boom. That's it. Let's do business and let's make it happen. So, uh, you know, uh, congratulations on your award. Congratulations on the the success you're having. Congratulations on your patent. Congratulations on your Canadian citizenship. We're very fortunate to have you in our country. And uh, I can't wait to continue to watch what it is you're doing how do people get a hold of you 
ou How the Papel Had a, had a Hold of Me, well, my website www.ingoma.com. So you can go there. We are now uh, selling our jewelry line. So you nice. can actually buy some Ingoma right now. And soon enough, we will have more products available. So stay tuned. Stay tuned. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this is Melina Salomon. She is a epic entrepreneur and uh, doing amazing work in the fashion and consumer products industry. We're going to be watching you. Thanks so much for being on the, uh, the Startup Canada podcast show today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hey, this is Randy Cass, the founder and CEO of Nest Wealth, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast with Rivers Corbett. So I love it. So you've identified where the sweet spot is to rapid growth, which is education. And there's a lot of innovative solutions that are being created by entrepreneurs. Uh, many on this, uh, on this, uh, listen to this podcast. How do you recommend to them? What are the, the, the top two things they need to do to do one, build an education message that is relevant and two, continue to deliver it in a way that creates the, uh, the, 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 the result they want. From a company speaking yes. out to potential yes. clients. Yeah. Look, it, we tried some creative things off the get-go. So, so one of the things we did was, well, I mentioned we never took money from venture capitalists in the early days. Um, about a year and a half in, so call it May 2015, uh, we yes. ended up taking uh, um, some money from uh, a subsidiary of uh, of Metroland, which is which is the regional paper uh, organization and, and digital uh, assets of uh, underneath the Toronto Star, Tour Star, and with the money they gave us, which at the time was uh, was about a million and a half dollars, I think, um, came a large um, marketing voucher. Uh, and the, the whole thing was predicated on the notion was, all right, one, we need to take in some money. And I had very specific desires on the type of terms I wanted in a partner or investor and the, and the type of um, um, potential partner that would step up and, and, and fit into those terms uh, was limited by the very nature of what I was asking them to do. But also we thought, you know what? This is a great idea. We have a series of 80 papers or somewhere around there that, that are regional, that are an older demographic, that have a huge amount of goodwill with their client base. Why don't we partner up with a media company and use that as the backbone of educating our consumers? Right. Weekly columns, weekly right. digital, in a place where they establish, uh, they've established trust and goodwill. And so that, yeah, that was what we did. I thought it was smart too. In the end, I'm not. <laughs> Sure. But you're bor you're, <laughs> you're borrowing somebody else's credibility. It's bonus. In, in, in the end, I'm not sure it worked to the extent that we thought oh. it would. Um, 
but I think it was an exercise in saying, how do we credibly educate the consumer in a way that doesn't feel like we're just kind of yelling at them that that they're because one of the things you can never do is tell the consumer that they're in this position because they haven't made good choices or they're in this position because they didn't pay attention and and really what we were saying to investors if you thought about it was oh boy if you're in a mutual fund what a mistake you might have made doing that and you never want to put your potential client on the defensive like that so the other thing we did was and this was a two-part thing one we made sure when we spoke of the opportunity as a canadian investor to save hundreds of thousands of dollars in fees over the course of an investment life by picking nest wealth or a digital advisor we made sure that investors understood that this was something that they never had the opportunity to do before they could never be empowered by choosing a better way and so it became incredibly important and i'd suggest to any entrepreneur out there that you make the investor or the client or the potential client feel like this is the first time they've had the opportunity to empower themselves and make themselves better and that's incredibly valuable and important emotion for them to feel 